Okay, grab your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. Uh, We're just gonna look at the first six verses because they're a hot mess. And uh, God is going to be speaking to us this morning. So we wanna make sure we take time to to listen. Uh, This uh, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. So I wanna make sure everybody gets some invitations, right? Get a card for Easter Sunday on your way out. Did you get one on the way in? Did everybody get one on the way in? Okay, so make sure you grab as many as you know you can pass out, right? And, um, and uh, we'll, we'll, if we run out, we'll print some more for Tuesday. But uh, you wanna invite people to come hear the gospel on Easter Sunday. And so that's what we'll do next week. We'll be looking at the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and the good news of, of, of his resurrection and the eternal life that he offers uh, with forgiveness of sin. And so we'll, we'll look at all of that next week. And then I think what we'll do the Tuesday after, the Tuesday after Easter, I think we'll, we'll take a minute on Tuesday night and we'll just look at why the King James Bible nails it in the book of Acts and calls it Easter, actually uses the word Easter. And uh, there is a very good reason for that and, and it's not a mistake in your Bible, it's absolutely necessary and, and so we'll look at all of the reasons uh, why that is. Does that sound good? Uh, so we'll do that, all right. So let's pray and then we're gonna get to work in Genesis chapter 16. Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, the things that are written here are, ex- they're in samples, they're examples, they're written for our admonition. Uh, we are you, you are, you are holding us accountable to learn from these things. And so God, help us to be able to see your truth and, and Lord, to see the, the, the examples, the illustrations, the pictures that we're gonna see this morning. Uh, Lord, to see how we should order our steps in light of your word so that we don't make some of the same stereotypical mistakes that people keep making in life. Uh, Lord, you wanna spare us grief. And so, Lord, help us to take your word seriously. Lord, speak into our hearts and our lives. Let today fall out uh, to the maturing of your children. We wanna grow. Lord, if there's any here today that do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray that, that your word would speak to them about their need. Uh, to surrender their life to Christ. Um, Lord, you'll have no other gods before you, and that includes us making gods of ourself. Uh, Lord, have your way in our lives for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we're gonna see Abraham compromise. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a failed faith in the sense that he is not trusting God for the promises of his word over his life. And so what, what happens here is a barren season where the things that they know they're expecting from the Lord, this promise does not come, it's delayed, and it forms a test for Abram and, and Sarah. Genesis 16 verse one says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, bear him no children, and she had in handmaid an Egyptian whose name was Hagar, And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, that it may be that I may may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened unto the voice of Sarah, and Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, 
after Abram had dwelt in the land of uh, 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. Now here's the problem though. Back in chapter 15, Abram was complaining to the Lord. You'll remember, uh, what are you gonna give me? You're, you're promising me seed, right? You're, promise to, you're promising to make of me this great and mighty nation. What are you gonna give me? Uh, I, I don't have any children. The, the, the servant in my house is my heir. And, and you remember what the Lord told Abram in Genesis 15 verse four. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, this, Eleazar, your servant, this shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. You, Abram, are gonna have a baby, and out of, out of this union with Sarah, out of this child, I'm gonna make of you this great and mighty nation. That's the promise of God, but now that promise is being delayed. They've been in the land for 10 years, no baby. Sarah wants a baby, she's tried everything. Uh, she's followed all the doctor's orders. I mean, they've timed everything out. I mean, they've tried every, no baby. Okay, but then there's Hagar, the handmaid. And so there it is. She has a handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And so remember, right, it's the, it's the bad ideas that come from Egypt. Those bad, bad ideas will keep coming. In Genesis 12, verse 10, Abram in famine doesn't stay in the promised land, trusting God for his provision. He goes to a place where he knows that it's rich, it's resourced. He's gonna trust in Egypt to make a way for him. Well, no, God told him to stay in the promised land. And so, so that decision to go down to Egypt continues to be a bad move for Abram. Abram went down, remember? He went down, right? He's going down from the promises of God over his life. He went down into Egypt. He's getting help from Egypt, who is a type of the world, this world system, and the bondage of sin. So Sarah's complaint, right? Behold, now, verse two, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. So take my handmaid, Hagar the Egyptian, my handmaid, and, and she'll bear children in my stead. So here's the problem with that. Faith says, okay, he says, okay, the Lord restrained me. Verse two, do you see that? The Lord hath restrained me. Faith says, if God's restrained my womb, right? If God's closed my womb, then God can open my womb. I can trust God to keep his promises over my life. He said, but it's been 10 years. Well, what's 10 years to the Lord? Well, it's a lot to me. Are you gonna trust the Lord or not? See, if Sarah were full of faith, then requests would be made to the Lord. She would call on God. Brothers and sisters, this is so critical that you get this. In terms of faith, in terms of the things that God wants to do over your life, right, the, the, the life of faith. Faith is not a sprinter. These are not short races. Faith is a distance runner. Faith is a marathoner. You have to think about it in terms of the long haul, your life. And it can be a long time. I've been on this world a long time. No, you haven't. Your life is just a vapor. Your life in light of eternity, in terms of God's time scale, it's just a moment from promise to fulfillment. 10 years is nothing. But get this, God's timing is always perfect. It's always perfect. And all Abram had to do was wait on God. Instead, he listens to his wife. This bad idea out of Egypt. All he had to do was wait on God. Psalm 62 verse five says, my soul, wait thou only upon the Lord for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my, my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. 
Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. When you're waiting on the promises of God, right? When you're waiting on God for his promises of his word, be patient because Isaiah 30 verse 18 tells you, therefore will the Lord wait. You better be willing to wait because the Lord's willing to wait. Yeah, but he made a promise, I want it now. No, 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 wait on the Lord. The Lord's waiting, why? That he may be gracious unto you. (coughs) And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. Yeah, but it's been, I mean, I know what God wants to do in my life, but it's been 10 years and, and I see this simple solution right in front of me. Bro, that was so awesome to see you getting baptized with your son. Man, that was just, that was so good. Um, I mean, your son didn't get baptized, but it's it's just really cool. Uh, Where was I? Oh yeah, the Lord's waiting. He knows what he's gonna do. He knows his timing is perfect. So trust him. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. See, here's how this works. Faith always waits on the Lord. Faith never, never fails in trusting that God will keep his promises. Faith doesn't hurry to implement some contentious human solution, right? If, 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 if faith has its way, there's no shame in the end game. There's no shame in the results that come from waiting on God. But if you go out and make something happen, oh man, you'll live to regret that. Faith does not hurry to implement contentious human solutions. Isaiah 28, 16 tells you, he that believeth shall not make haste. Hello, somebody. If you're trusting the Lord, you're not gonna go and get what you think you deserve in life for yourself. You're gonna trust the Lord to keep his promises over your life. Romans 10, 11 tells you, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. That's the promise of scripture. So here's the big picture, okay? I want you to see what's happening here. Sarah, all she wants is what God promised. You see that, right? God promised a baby, that's all that she wants. Her wants are in line with God's promises. So she's not out of line with her desire, but in waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled over her life, she got impatient and she thought she could help God out. And oh man, how many times do brothers and sisters try to help God out and make big messes for themselves in the process? A lot of people have this mentality, you know, God helps those that help themselves. Watch out. I know you need to be a faithful steward. I know you need to be, you need to be all about the work of the Lord, right? You wanna be faithful in doing the things that God calls you to, but in terms of the promises, oh man. You know, like we, we, we tr- I, people are well-intentioned. I want, I, want, I want a baby, I want spiritual fruit, so what do you do? Man, if you'll just pray this prayer, you can be saved today. And then you lead somebody in the sinner's prayer and based upon the fact that they said some words with you, they think they're on their way to heaven. Never mind the fact that they may or may not actually understand the exceeding sinfulness of their sin. They just want to go to, that's what happened to me, right? A number of times I prayed the sinner's prayer and I was no more saved than this piece of wood, okay? It wasn't until God opened my eyes and I saw the exceeding sinfulness of my sin It wasn't until it was the time for my birth that I was actually able to see the good news of the gospel for what it was. But a lot of, I mean, a lot of good intentioned, well-meaning people, they just want a baby, and they will lead people into spiritual activity 
that the Holy Spirit has not timed out yet. Oh man, don't we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit when we're dealing with people? Oh, you need to be discipled, go take this class. And so so you'll pressure someone and they haven't really counted the cost of discipleship and they're going through the motions because they view you as being some big deal in the church and if they can just get next to you and be with you and and somehow this is gonna make them a super spiritual uh, hero and, uh, and, and, and they haven't counted the cost. And then, because they haven't counted the cost, life happens to them, they get discouraged. And then what happens, right? Their spiritual walk, in a sense, is aborted. Uh, there's something that, something that derails them because the work, right? God, the, God knows what he's doing. God's working in the hearts and the lives of people, but it hasn't come to full term yet. It hasn't come to fruition. There's a lot of ways where We'll try to help God out in dealing with people. And again, you know, we wanna be bold. We wanna speak the truth in love. Uh, preach the gospel at all times, right? We wanna, we wanna be bold as we communicate uh, the things of God into the lives of people. But here's Sarah, and she's asking herself, why is God taking so long? Why is he waiting so long? I'll tell you why. Hebrews 11, verse 12 tells you what God was waiting on. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead. He was waiting until Abram and Sarah come to the place where it's not by might, it's not by power, it's not by being fertile myrtle, okay? Him as good as dead. What came out of that union with Sarah? Well, nothing in terms of their ability to have a baby, their power to procreate. God waited until, you know, the, the, the baby oven fell apart and, and uh, the, they just, they couldn't make it happen, okay? He waited until then, okay? That's what he was waiting for. What came out, what, it's a, it has to be a supernatural birth because Isaac's gotta be a type of Christ. What came out of that? Well, so many as the stars of the sky multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. See, it brings them to the place where they can see this promised child Right, is coming through supernatural means. That's what God's waiting for. Why? Well, so that God alone gets the glory. So God knows what he's waiting for. The problem is Sarah's still immature in her faith. She doesn't know what God's waiting on. So because she's, she's young in the faith, she's immature in her faith, she doesn't know that God's all about giving children to the barren. That's what God does. Psalms 113 verse nine says, he, God, maketh the barren women to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children, praise ye the Lord. Ah, see, she didn't know that yet. Her granddaughter-in-law, Leah, she knew. She knew that God helps the barren, and so she named her sons in testimony to that fact. Uh, Reuben means, behold, see, a son, right? She understood that God answers prayer. Uh, Simeon, his name means hearing, in testimony to the fact that God heard my prayer for children. You can read about that in Genesis 29, verses 32 and 33. Here's the danger, okay? This is the trap that Sarah falls into. Instead of practicing contentment with all of the blessing that Sarah is enjoying from the Lord, 1 Timothy chapter six tells you in verse six, godliness with contentment is great gain. Instead of doing that, she's focused on the one thing that she doesn't have, the one thing, it just seems like God's holding out on her. She's obsessing about that one, Instead, I mean, She's, I mean, every, I mean, come on. She is the richest woman in the Canaan land. Uh, she is not suffering for any need whatsoever. She's got a future so bright, she has to wear shades, okay? All of these promises, they're gonna be sure over her life. 
but the one thing that she wants is this baby. She doesn't have it, and so she's obsessing, just like Eve. Do you remember what God told Eve? Everything's yours except one thing, right? There's only one thing that you can't have. It's not for you. The Lord commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. God said to everything, I'm, the whole thing is, uh, I mean, look at the menu. It's all for you, except one item, one tree. Don't touch it, I love you, I'm not willing that you perish, so I'm telling you, if you eat it, you'll die. And so the woman falls for the lie in Genesis 3, verse six, it says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, Remember the, you remember the, the lie, uh, Satan's basic approach is God's holding out on you. He knows the reason he won't let you have the fruit of that tree is if you take it, you'll be as God's knowing good and evil. God's keeping you down. He's holding you back. He doesn't want you to reach your full potential. So she's obsessed on that. So she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. He joined her in her rebellion against God. So Eve gets Adam forbidden fruit and he eats it. Sarah offers Adam, or I'm sorry, Sarah, Adam's dead. Sarah offers Abram sex with her handmaid, which God forbid, I mean God forbids it. And he bit, Abram bit, he took, he ate. So both Sarah and Eve, what are they doing? They're trying to stand in the place of God as God, showing themselves that their will reigns supreme. Do You see how the spirit of Antichrist works? They're, they're playing God. Sarah's trying to help and hurry God along and it all plays out in the same way. Abram is now stuck with strife in his home. The nations today are full of strife in the world because Genesis 3.17, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. What does God say to Adam? Thou art cursed. <laughs> so here's Abram. Now he's got a curse in his home. So get this down in your notes. Here's the principle that we gotta get from this. High motives never justify wrong action. Did you get that? What you know and you think to be right, the end never justifies some unbiblical means to accomplish what you think needs to take place in your life. Nothing justifies wrong action. I mean, what kind of woman hands her husband over to adultery or polygamy? You know already, just based on the offer. She's not thinking straight. Uh, Sarah is in a season of cray-cray. Verse three, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Okay, marriage pro tip. When your mate wants to check out the local swingers club, immediately rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Did you hear that? Anytime your mate wants to play around with the swing and, you know, whatever that looks like in your neighborhood, rebuke it in Jesus' name. Because here's the problem, point number two, verses four through six. Abram does listen to his wife. He listens to Sarah's wrong plans and wrong thinking and makes a mess out of the Middle East. So he, verse four, went in unto Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarah said unto Abram, my wrong be upon thee. <sighs> Typical. 
my wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, the, the, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. So here it is, history repeats. That's what happens. History repeats over and over and over. That's exactly what took place in Genesis chapter three. You know, Adam blamed Eve. In this case, Sarah's blaming Abram, but Abram's blaming her right back. This is your maid, you do it. I mean, you get what's happening here. You do what you think. We're, we've been doing what you think. You just keep doing what you think, right? He's blaming her right back. So she's dealing hardly with Hagar. In Genesis 3.12, Adam blames God for his problem in the garden. The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. It's her fault. Doesn't change the fact that he brought a curse upon himself and all humanity. God said to Adam, Genesis 3.17, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife instead of trusting in the promises of my word. I told you, I gave you, I mean, come on, the whole Bible could be memorized in a couple minutes back in Genesis chapter three. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the, I mean, like it's not a big Bible. All the trees, right, eat freely. One tree, don't eat, because it'll kill you. I mean, it's like, it's not, you could literally memorize the whole Bible. Well, for Adam, he could just hear it and, and know it in, one, in under a minute. Right, he's got God's word. And so instead of listening to God, he listens to Eve and God says, you didn't listen to me, of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out, of it thou, uh, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So there it is. Did what he thought was right in the moment, but now he's, now he's bearing a curse. So also with Abram. Instead of listening to the Lord, he listened to his wife, and now his whole family is cursed with a curse. See, in verses two and four, get this down, the stupid idea was Sarah's. It was her stupid idea. But the evil decision was Abram's. As soon as she said, you know, hey, check out my maid. Abram's response immediately should have been, that's the dumbest thing you ever said, stop it. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. That's exactly how he should have responded. And then he would have had harmony in his home, but now all it is is drama all the time. Instead, Sarah gives this stupid idea, and he's like, okay. <laughs> Evidently to Abram, the idea wasn't all that bad. I mean, being a, being a, a sincere love and, a lover and supporter of his wife, the, the good husband that he was, he didn't turn this down. No reason to start a fight and get an argument over this. I mean, it's just not worth, it's just not worth getting Sarah all riled up. <laughs> I mean, okay. So the results are grave. It's a curse. Consider the curse. The, 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 the drama, the infighting in Abram's family continues to this day. This is why Jerusalem is a burdensome stone. This is why there is a mess in the Middle East because Abram didn't wait on the promises of God. Here's the picture. Here's what we're seeing. Uh, don't miss this. 
Uh, Abram is following Adam's example, okay? Wherefore by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. First Corinthians 15 verse 22 says, in Adam all die. In one man's failed decision, what a mess. And it continues throughout humanity, it continues throughout time. Well that's exactly what happened in Adam. Listening to his wife, this stupid idea, let's eat the fruit of this tree so we'll be like God's. He joins her in her sin and her sinful condition in rebellion against God. And humanity is cursed with the curse of sin. In Adam, all die. The same thing happens. I mean, you may be born again and you are now, you are now an heir of God. You're an heir of heaven. You're doomed to eternity with the Lord. Praise the Lord. But your decisions and not waiting on the promises of God, your decisions in not following the word of God over your life can have dramatic effect. It can cause great trouble in your marriage, in your home, in the life that God's called you to live. And you can make, and your decisions don't just affect you, okay? Uh, the mess that you can make in rebelling against the word of the Lord, it affects so many other people. We see this all the time. A pastor decides he's gonna trade up like some moron. Uh, those things, what a joke. You know, the woman that bore his children and, and um, uh, that was with him through thick and thin, he decides he's gonna, he's gonna run off with, you know, sister so-and-so and, and uh, you know, he's gotta be true to his feelings or whatever bull, he's stupid crud, he sells himself in that decision in that moment and uh, you know, he's, he's sacrificed so greatly for the church for all those years and, and, and now it's me time and, and he thinks the only thing that affects is himself, maybe his wife, maybe his immediate family, and he justifies that decision. No, the results are catastrophic. Churches are decimated. I tell our guys all the time in ministry leadership, I'd rather be put in a box than to have to stand before you and say, please forgive me. I wasn't faithful to my vows. To have to stand before my wife and my children and say, please forgive me. I wasn't faithful to my vows. Uh, I beg the Lord to have mercy on me, right? You can take me out on 435 if you want. I'd much rather you have a funeral and let that be the time of crying than me standing before you blubbering snot all over my faith, all over my face, snot all over my faith. <laughs> right? Because your, your rebellion against God doesn't just affect you. It makes a catastrophic mess in God's kingdom. It was Sarah's stupid idea, but the evil decision was Abram's. And so notice that Abram's past failures are now becoming a pattern for this weakness. Before, he hit a place of faithlessness in Genesis chapter 12, and so what does he do? He goes down into Egypt. Here, it's been 10 years, still no baby. And just like he didn't stay in the promised land and call on the Lord for physical provision, God, God made promises to him, this land is yours, right? I'm, uh, this, this is the place that God's gonna bless him. Well, how, what about my, my stomach, it's growling. Instead of calling on the Lord for provision, he goes down to Egypt to find sustenance and help there. Well, now fast forward a few years and what do you have? No baby, and instead of calling on the Lord, what about your promises? He goes down to his little Egypt. Right, he flees again to Egypt. That's what he, he's doing it again right here. Hagar is his little Egypt. She is a convenient solution to his current problem. And so he's running to the world again. 
in verse four, Sarah takes Hagar and gives her to her husband Abram, notice verse four, to be his wife. Here's the problem, God's not impressed, he doesn't agree. In verse eight, the Bible calls her Sarah's maid, not Abram's wife. Some marriages are not made in heaven. Why is this? Well, because it was apart from faith. Romans chapter 14 verse 23 tells you, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So get this down in your notes. Adultery is sin no matter who says it's a good idea. Anything, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Permission to sin from someone else does not ever justify the act of sin. And you can rationalize it any way you want. You can rationalize the circumstances. It doesn't change the fact that sin's always wrong. No matter the circumstance, no matter who tells you you're justified in pursuing it. Permission to sin cannot be given to you by anyone, not even God. God himself cannot give you permission to sin. So get this down in your notes. I'm I'm preaching to somebody this morning. Adultery is never a solution to your problems. Adultery is never a solution. It's always a source of a multitude of problems. So here's the principle, okay? Life's gonna come at you and it's gonna feel like it's coming up short. Those problems in life, the shortcomings in life are never solved by sin. You never solve a problem by compromising with evil. Did you get that? The end never justifies evil means. I love, I've, I've, I've uh, quoted Vought before and I just loved his notes on this. I had to share them with you. I think I, didn't I put it in your handout? Um, he's just hilarious, very manly preacher. I like the way he puts this. He says more than one sin's involved here. He says sin always comes in a chain. Sin never stands alone. With this adultery went the loss of manhood, the loss of his place of command in his tent. Uh, the loss of the happy sex life he had with Sarah, and jealousy and arrogance blowing like a gale through his mind. Just because he became a Casanova or a Don Juan didn't mean that he was manly. No, the criterion for manliness is in the soul. Any man who is promiscuous in sex destroys his own sex ability. See, authority in the tent went like this. God was in authority over Abram, Abram in authority over Sarah, Sarah in authority over Hagar. But look what they did to that authority. And this is the thing that I don't want you to miss. God's authority was not consulted. It was ignored. Sarah becomes the authority over Abram, and Abram surrenders his authority to Sarah. And what's the result? (laughs) Turmoil, strife, a curse in his tent, a curse in his family. See, point number three, Sarah makes the problem worse. Verse five, she says unto Abram, my wrong be upon thee. I've given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she, that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarah, behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face with Abram's baby. So in verse five, Sarah blames Abram for following her scheme. My wrong be upon thee. She's blaming him for it all going wrong. Yeah, bro, it goes down like that, okay? It, it, it works exactly like that. Now the right response, what is it? Well, it's always repentance. So get this down in your notes. Repentance is always better than shame. 
The right response should always be, get on your face before the Lord and get it right. Psalms 32, five, I have acknowledged my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And this is so beautiful. And thou forgave us the iniquity of my sin. It doesn't matter how many times you ran to Egypt, how wise you thought you were, how, how, how sharp you thought the, you were in finding your own solution, maybe even in your mind to help God out over your life, and you made this really big mess of your life, the best thing that you can do is confess it to the Lord. And look at the promise of scripture. I mean, Psalms 32, verse five, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. God is a God of mercy and forgiveness. He always gives grace. Just humble yourself under his mighty hand. So Sarah, man, she's, she's given Abram the business. My wrong be upon thee. So marriage pro tip number two, never, never lip sync your wife when she's mad. You think it's hilarious, but it can get you killed. And so Abram knew that much. <laughs> But now, okay, so he's deferring, yeah, honey, yes, dear, whatever, okay, I, I get it, you're all riled up. Okay, but now, look at verse six. Now you've got, I mean, this is effectively the inmate running the asylum. Because the wages of sin are never peace and happiness. And so now what's happening? The strife just doubles down, right? It just grows on an order of magnitude. Before you had a little arrogance and pride and disdain with the maid towards Sarah, but now it's just all out war. A faithless life is a life of strife. You see the picture? They don't trust God and now they're just, all they got is war. So Sarah becomes abusive when her desires aren't fulfilled. I mean, hey, you got a baby in your home. Why aren't you just, I I mean, you got exactly what you wanted. Why aren't you just on cloud nine? I mean, why aren't you like writing a, a, a musical? No, no, it's war. Okay, what about you? What about your life? When your plans don't work out for you, Do you rejoice in the Lord always and again? Do you rejoice? (laughs) How are you treating those that God has in your life when you don't get out of life for yourself what you think you deserve or what was promised to you? You just just see this all of the time. God will let these, what's, what's the Lord doing? The Lord is on purpose waiting to keep his promises. Will Abram trust the Lord? Or will he take, will he get the bit in his teeth and go away that's right in his own eyes? And then he, then he gets the fruit of that, he gets the results of that, he starts reaping what he sowed, and that's just miserable, okay? Think about it. In your life, there are things that you're trusting the Lord for, you don't see it, you don't see, well, I mean, are you gonna wait? Or life, I mean, God just lets life happen to you. And it's not, again, the cycle is always the same. You see people come in, their life gets turned upside down. Man, they're full of the joy of the Lord. They can't believe it. They've got a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. And, and then they realize that, that he wants to use them for his glory, to further his kingdom and his mission. And you get to partner now with the, with the God of creation, the Lord of heaven and earth. And, and you start learning his word and you start learning how to use it. And, and uh, man, it's like you're walking, I mean, you're walking on sunshine, whoa, whoa. You're walking on sunshine, man, don't it feel good? And so you're, I mean, and then God's like, well, let's, let's make sure you see how life happens to you. And it can be the good people that he has in your life that'll do you wrong, or whatever, okay? And so you fast forward, now you kind of have a, you're starting to get a handle on your Bible, you're starting to learn the things of ministry, 
Uh, God's even used you to be fruitful in some way, and, and, and I mean, like, there's a lot that you're getting in terms of being a steward of the Lord Jesus Christ, but life happens to you, and then what happens? It's not fair, it's upset, you're not rejoicing in the Lord. That strife or that delay of some fulfillment in life or ministry, God's allowing all of that to draw you closer to him. Lord, here's what I know your word declares over my life. Here's, a, here's what I know your word says should be true in my life, but here's the problem. Instead of pleading before the Lord in prayer, you get, I mean, you get bent, you get upset, and this, this person who just a few years ago was just so grateful just to have God in their life is now bitter against the Lord and against God's people. Yeah, of course somebody stepped on your toes. Yeah, of course somebody let you down. And God let that happen because he's enough. Lord help us. Sarah became abusive. She didn't get what she wanted. Brethren, we need to live in faith. Romans 15, 13 tells you, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How? How do you get that? How does, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace? What's your part? In believing. We need to live in faith that we may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. But here's the good news, Sarah, who's now throwing a temper tantrum. She is a rage monster at this moment. Well, God's working this all for good. God's still doing a conforming work in her. I, want you to, I don't want you to despise Sarah. She's, she's just like you. She's growing, she's learning. Look at God's testimony of Sarah in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse five. For after this manner in old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in, sub- being in subjection under their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, uh, say you're my sister. I mean, what a, what a wimp. I mean, here's a guy who led an army to take out, what was it, four kings who, were, who had armies sufficient to deal with giant infestations, okay? We, we just looked at that. I mean, Abram is a bad mammer jammer, I'm afraid. Say you're my sister. Even as Sarah obeyed Abram. Now, I'm not, I, I, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot that could be said about verse six here, but she obeyed him, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well. In other words, God's holding up Sarah, sister. God's holding up Sarah as the ideal. Follow her as a model, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Be full of faith. Move forward in faith. All right, let's wrap it up with this. Hagar was a mess, point number four. Poor Hagar. I thought this was gonna be a really good job. (laughs) It's a catastrophe. So in verse four, what does she do? She does what she's told, and now she's got a baby, and her boss can't have one. So she despises Sarah over something that neither of them can control. Conception. Lo, children are the heritage of what? Your brilliant ability to be fertile. No, you don't actually control that. You can't control conception. Obviously, as we look at the scriptures, we know that the weaker marriage partner was Sarah. You see it right here in this passage. Hagar immediately conceives, Sarah cannot. And she had it right that the Lord was restraining her in childbearing, right? It wasn't time yet. Later on, after Sarah's death, when he takes 
another wife. I mean, you just see him continue to have children. Okay, so obviously Abram is able to have babies. But here's Hagar, she's puffed up against her mistress, Sarah. And so now you've got two queens in the roost. You know, you got two queens in the house and one of them has a baby and the other doesn't. So get this down, Hagar becomes pregnant and arrogant all at the same time. And so now she's provoking Sarah because Sarah can't have a baby. And now her baby, Hagar's baby, is gonna be the heir of all of this. She's, she is now mother of the heir of Abram's fortune and promises. Well, <laughs> Abram doesn't have her back. <laughs> so now she's a big mess because Sarah's dealing hardly, very hard with her. So she runs away. Verse eight, she ran away from her torment, just like Onesimus does in the book of Philemon. You might check that out as homework. Here's the solution, okay, for Hagar. She doesn't know it yet, but 1 Timothy chapter six says to the employees, okay, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed, that they have, uh, they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit, these things teach and exhort. And then in 1 Timothy 6, it goes on to say, and if anybody teaches otherwise, uh, they don't know anything, don't listen to them, <laughs> right? As an employee, you serve your employer heartily, just like you would the Lord. And believing masters, here's Sarah, she's a believing employer. She should not be hard on this woman that she now has worked to make a mess of her life. No, she needs to treat her well. So neither know this yet. Uh, but Hagar, what a mess, and we'll see this next time. In verses 15 and 16, she abandons her child in the face of death. I mean, where's her faith? She's got none. And then in Genesis 21, verse 21, we find out she gets a wife for her son, for Ishmael, from Egypt. Again, running to the world for a solution. So here's the key, get this down in your notes. Human ingenuity and solutions always short circuit and postpone the blessings of God. Whenever you try to help God out, through some fleshly scheme, you end up delaying the promises of God, the power of God over your life. Pastor William Allen Shelby said it this way, the weed of impatience drives out the fruit of promise. Man, isn't that good? The weed of impatience drives out the fruit of promise. So that's the question on the floor this morning. Can God not lead? Can God not guide? Can God not direct you? Wait on the Lord. Again, I say wait on the Lord. In your needed decision, in your hard time, in your trial, this difficulty that you may be going through, uh, there may be some need on the horizon of your life and you see it except God move. What hope is there? Can God not lead and guide and direct you? Psalms 27, 14 tells you, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You need to know God is a way maker, isn't he? He is, he's a way maker. Psalms 130 verse five says, I will wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. There's your memory verse for this morning's lesson. Psalms 130 verse five, we'll test you on it this Tuesday night. Eric, can you help me with that? The memory verse. 
Yeah, Psalms 130, verse five. Let's test everybody on that this Tuesday. What are we gonna do? I tell you what, I, I, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in his word do I hope. Isaiah 40, verse 30 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I wanna ask anybody that knows that they're waiting on God for something, okay? This will be, I wanna make room for this because this is a little different uh, appeal in light of what we've heard from God's word, okay? So I'm not doing this to manipulate anyone. I'm making this an offer to everyone. If you're, if you're at a place in your life where you see that you have need, that, that, that there's something where God needs to move on your behalf, and the last thing that you wanna do is come up with some solution in the flesh to see that need addressed. No, you need God to lead and guide and direct you. Is this making sense? Uh, if you need that, um, we don't have a, a really big altar, but I just wanna ask that we'd crowd down as best that we can and all the pastors that are in the room uh, would just pray for us, okay? And so pastors, for everyone that's recognizing that, Lord, I'm not gonna, I'm not, this need in my life or this trial or this problem or whatever it is, right? Something I can identify and it lines up with where Sarah is at. That was written for my example. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna trust you, you're my way, you're my way maker. My soul is gonna wait on you. So I've got one of those things in my life uh, where I just, I'm gonna trust the Lord to lead and guide and direct me because the last thing I wanna do is what seems right in my own eyes. And so is that, that making sense? And so pastors, if you could just kinda, for everybody that's in that case, come forward right now. Let's just, as best we can, let's get on our knees before the Lord. And uh, for everybody that's like, man, I just can't think of anything. Praise the Lord, okay? Praise the Lord. Um, maybe you don't see it now, or maybe you're right where God has you, and you're just simply walking in faith. Man, praise the Lord, keep that up. If you're here today and you don't know that you're saved, you don't know that you're born again, I wanna invite you, okay? I wanna invite you, as a matter of fact, if you would do this, if you would just make your way out to the edges, and I'd ask any of the counselors to keep an eye on the edges, anybody standing on the edges, we'll just, we'll, we'll just get the Bible open with you and we're gonna show you how you can know that you're born again, that you can spend eternity with God in heaven, amen? But if you know, right, you're one of these, in, in one of these situations where I need God to make a way. Uh, here, here's a guy that's actually listening. Okay, come on, if you know that you need prayer, come forward and we're gonna have our pastors pray over you. And so pastors, it may be that you're just touching just for a few moments and you're just praying for people. But uh, man, my soul is gonna wait on the Lord. Again, I'm telling you, my soul is gonna wait on the Lord. I am trusting in his word. He is going to lead and guide and direct me. Let's pray.